Well, we're going to be turning our attention now to Galatians chapter 5, looking at verses 1 through 15. This is God's word. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit by faith, we, e- we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You are running well. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still pre- preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is God's word. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus. We thank you that our works and our merit, as as beautiful as they are in love and service to our neighbors, do not merit salvation. They could never and will never. And we thank you for the gospel that we have all the righteousness that we need in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Draw us closer to him as we study this remarkable passage. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have ever heard of William Wallace? Anyone? Anyone? If you have not heard of William Wallace... May I present to you, crossing our fingers that the video works, the greatest movie speech in the history of movie speeches. Take it away. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Many years from now, 
Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Now, I'm very glad that works, because otherwise I was going to have to have June Drew come up and reenact it. <laughs> June is the only member of our church from Scotland, so uh, you dodged a big-time bullet right there. Goodness. Now, why is that speech so inspiring? Why does it give me goosebumps literally every single time? If you could see my arms, you would see the goosebumps on my arm. Before I saw the movie Braveheart, I had never even heard of William Wallace. Before I saw the movie Braveheart, I had no opinion about the first war of Scottish independence. I'm not Scottish. I do not love haggis. I do not wear kilts. In fact, I do not believe that men should wear kilts. I believe that men should wear pants. Cargo shorts are also acceptable, as are pajamas, as long as they're made of a starchy, uncomfortable material, but I digress. In spite of all that, I can watch that movie clip a hundred times, and I love it every single time. Why? Why do I love George Washington? Why do I love Abraham Lincoln? Why do I love Frederick Douglass? Why do I love Booker T. Washington? Why do I love the men who stormed the beaches of Normandy? Why do I love the German citizens who tore down that wall? Why am I rooting for the freedom fighters and revolutionaries and protesters that flood the streets of Cuba? Why do I love the revolutionaries who flood the streets of Hong Kong? Why do I weep every time I hear the song, Amazing Grace? In a word, freedom. For freedom Christ has set us free. According to the Apostle Paul, Jesus was and is the greatest freedom fighter in the history of the world. He came from heaven to earth to set us free. He came to liberate us from our captivity to sin and death. He came to liberate us from our captivity to guilt and shame. He came to liberate us from oppression and abuse. Here's what Jesus himself said in his very first sermon, Luke chapter 4. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Liberty. Freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In a sense, that verse is the theme book for the entirety of the book of Galatians. Jesus has set us free from legalism. Jesus has set us free from moralism. Jesus has set us free from fundamentalism. Jesus has set us free from our constant need to be good enough and smart enough and rich enough to have it all together, whatever that means. Jesus has set us free to give and go and love and serve. He has set us free to fail. To fail spectacularly. Knowing that nothing, nothing, even our failures, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the great irony is that many people don't associate Christianity with freedom at all. Many people, including many of us if we're honest, assume that Christianity represents the opposite of freedom. There are rules and regulations in Christianity. There are laws and commandments in Christianity. If you are a Christian, there are certain things that you can't do. If you're a Christian, there are certain places that you can't go. If, you have, if you're a Christian, you have obligations. You have obligations to God, you have obligations to your family, you have obligations to your neighbor, you have obligations to the church, you even have obligations to your enemies. To be a Christian is to say, I am not my own. I belong in body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. I am a servant of the living God. It's worth noting that for all Paul's talk about freedom, he never minimizes the law of God. He never says to the Galatians, now that you're a Christian, you can do whatever you want to do. Now that you're a Christian, the law has no place in your life. In fact, he says precisely the opposite in verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, as an opportunity to gratify your sinful desires, as an opportunity to break God's laws. Do you see the paradox? The world says that freedom means no restrictions. Christianity says Freedom means no condemnation. 
true freedom isn't freedom to sin. It's freedom from sin. And because of that, only Jesus and the gospel of his grace can truly set us free. Now, that's kind of a long introduction, but this is very, very important. Paul is urging the Galatians, don't go back to a Jesus plus religion. Don't go back to legalism where the law is everything and don't go back to license where the law is nothing. Go back to the gospel where Jesus is everything. So how does that work? Well, if you're taking notes this morning, we're going to talk about freedom and the law in the life of the Christian person. And to do so, we're going to outline our passage this way. First, we're going to look at the author of our freedom, Jesus Christ. Second, we're going to look at the enemies of our freedom, legalism and license. And then third, we're going to look at the expressions of our freedom, faith, hope, and love. So the author of our freedom, Jesus Christ, the enemies of our freedom, legalism and license, and then the expressions of our freedom, faith, hope, and love. The great theologian Bob Dylan once said, you're gonna have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And so the question to us is, are we serving the one master who can truly set us free? Let's take a closer look. We begin with the author of our freedom, Jesus Christ. Verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Who sets us free? Jesus sets us free. Does money set us free? No, money does not set us free. Does beauty set us free? Absolutely not. Take it from me, it's a lot of work to look like this. Does success set us free? Does reputation set us free? Does religion set us free? Absolutely not. If we try to earn God's favor through our own moral performance, through our religiosity, we'll quickly discover that we can never do enough. There is always more that we can do. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus did it all. Jesus kept all of the commandments. He pleased God every day in every possible way. And when we believe in Jesus, his righteousness becomes our righteousness. His righteousness is imputed or credited to us. When we believe, his victory becomes our victory. Jesus is our hero. Jesus is our champion. Jesus is our William Wallace. Now, are we part of the army? Absolutely. But make no mistake, the victory belongs to the Lord. 
Now, what does Jesus achieve victory over? What kind of slavery, specifically, does he free us from? Well, one thing is, by nature, we are slaves to sin. We are born with a sinful nature. We are born with a bent towards sin. Now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can grow, we can change, we can make great progress. The Bible calls this sanctification, the process of becoming who we are in Christ, becoming holy. And yet, we will always be in a battle against sin. The battle against sin never ends. Even if we try really hard to stop sinning and Frankly, if we're honest, most of us don't try that hard to stop sinning. Stopping sin is like a spiritual game of whack-a-mole. One sin pops up, we whack it, put it to death, mortify that sin, another one pops up. We attack that sin, another one pops up. And on and on and on it goes until the day we die and see Jesus face to face. It never ends. But that's not all. The bad news keeps coming. By nature, we're also slaves to death. The Bible tells us that death entered the world because of sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. If sin didn't exist, we would live forever. If sin didn't exist, we would never die. But because sin does exist, all of us will die, and all of us will stand face to face with the living God. Now, for many of us, because we are profoundly aware of the depth of our sin, that doesn't seem like a pleasant thought. I'm not looking forward to my death necessarily. But denial is always a bad strategy for dealing with unpleasant realities. Hoping that we will never die will not make it so. This past week, I went to go see my doctor because I, I had some shoulder problems. I discovered I had a frozen shoulder. Well, I had problems with my shoulder for two months before I went to see the doctor. And for two months, I kind of just hoped that it would get better on its own. Guess what? It was not going to get better on its own because I am getting older, and we get to a certain point in our lives where things don't get better without professional help. Amen? And yet many of us live in complete denial of death. We live in complete denial of the judgment of God. We live in complete denial over the fact that one day we will give an account for all that we do. The first step is always admitting that we have a problem, and spiritually speaking, we do. The bad news is that we are all going to die, but the good news is that Jesus conquered death. On the very first Easter Sunday, Jesus came walking out of the grave And if you are united to Jesus by faith, if you are in Christ, so will you. When you hear that trumpet sound, you're going to rise right out of the ground. Jesus is the author of our freedom. 
Jesus sets us free from sin. Jesus sets us free from the power of death. For freedom, Christ has set us free. The next thing we'll see are the enemies of our freedom. Legalism and license. We begin with legalism, verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Here's the issue justification how are we as sinful people declared righteous or just or holy before the almighty god how can god look at us and say not guilty when we are in fact guilty now paul told the galatians that we are justified made right with god reconciled to god by grace through faith in Jesus. He taught the Galatians that we are to repent, that we are to believe the gospel, and when we do, we will be declared righteous in the sight of God. Believe the gospel, you will be saved. Period, full stop, the end. There's nothing else you have to do. There's nothing else that you can do. You don't have to become Jewish in order to be accepted by God. You don't have to keep all the rules and all the regulations in order to be accepted by God. Salvation is all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done for us. But there's a problem. After Paul left the Galatian churches to go plant churches in other regions of the ancient world, a group of false teachers arrived and they said, we want to clarify a few things. Now we know that it seems like Paul said that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but what he really meant was that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus if we first become Jews. If we first accept the, the sacrament, if you will, of, of circumcision. If we keep the law, then we will be saved. Makes sense, right? After all, Jesus was Jewish. Abraham was Jewish. Moses was Jewish. All the early apostles were Jewish. All we're saying is that you need to become Jewish too. Paul says... That's not a minor change to my teaching. In fact, if you accept this legalistic paradigm for salvation, if you make circumcision an additional requirement for our justification, you've nullified the grace of God. Jesus is of no use to you. If you accept a conditional salvation, you're saying Jesus is my co-savior. We're partners. We're working together. Paul says Jesus will not be your co-savior. Jesus will not be your co-redeemer. There is no half-savior. It's like marriage. It's all or nothing. There's no such thing as being half married. 
well, I'm married on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but the other days, I just kind of do what I want to do. No, no, that's not a thing. You're either all the way married or you're not at all married. Now, the great irony is that legalism works the same way. It's all or nothing with legalism, too. If you sign up for the keeping the law plan of salvation, you are obligated to keep every single law. Everyone. Not most of the laws, all of the laws. If you commit a crime and appear before the judge and you say, Your Honor, I will admit that I did steal the car, but I kept all the other laws, you will go to prison. It absolutely does not work. It doesn't matter how many of the other laws that you've kept. If you've broken the law, you've broken the law. It's all or it's nothing. One law is all it takes. Now, it, so what is Paul saying? Is Paul saying the law is no good, the law is bad, we don't need the law at all? No, that is the opposite error, which is an error called license. License. Here's how Paul describes it in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Our culture says that license is the key to freedom. It's the essence of freedom. In fact, you're only free if you can do exactly what you want to do, whenever you want to do it. No rules, no regulations. That's freedom. The Bible says that's slavery. Why? Because when you do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, if you make the rules for yourself, you disregard the law of God, license makes us slaves to our appetites. It makes us slaves to our idols like acceptance and success. It makes us slaves to the cultural norms and values of our world, which are constantly changing, by the way. The thing that everyone believes today will not be the thing that everyone believes tomorrow. And the thing that everyone believes today is not the thing that everyone believed yesterday. It's constantly changing. And so you're constantly trying to keep up with the latest wind of what is right and what is wrong and who's making the rules. It's a dead end. How many of you remember the singer Madonna? Anyone? A few of you? I don't even know if she's making music anymore, but she was a huge star in the 80s and 90s, absolutely on top of her game, wealthy, successful, totally bought into the idea that freedom means license. Freedom means I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. Now, at the height of her powers, Madonna gave an interview with Vogue magazine, and here's what she said. It's very telling. Listen to this. We're getting a, an insight into the life of someone who lives a life of license. Is it freedom? She says, My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle 
has never ended, and I guess it never will. Fear is always pushing me. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Does that sound like freedom to you? Does that not sound sad? Does that not sound tragic? It sounds like slavery. What if, instead of being in her own head, hearing the voice of herself, she heard someone from the outside say to her, I love you unconditionally. You don't have to prove yourself to me. I proved myself to you by dying on the cross for you. That's how much I love you. That's how much I care for you. You don't have to constantly reinvent yourself. You don't have to prove that your life matters. It does. You're a daughter of the King. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. Legalism and license seem like opposites. All law, no law, but they're actually two sides of the same coin. Both of them steal our freedom. Both of them steal our joy. Both of them separate us from Christ, who gave us the love that we've been looking for our whole lives. Legalism and license are the twin enemies of the freedom we have in Christ. Here's the third thing, last thing, the expression of our freedom Faith, hope, and love. Verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Through Jesus, we are free to hope. What is hope? Do you have hope? Now, the word hope is potentially misleading because in our culture, the word hope implies uncertainty. If you were to ask me, do you think the Green Bay Packers will win the Super Bowl this year? I would say, I hope so. Translation, I have no idea, probably not. In the Bible, the word hope implies certainty absolute certainty. And so when Paul says that we are waiting for the hope of righteousness, he is saying that we have absolute certainty that Jesus, who is our hope of righteousness, is coming back someday to fix everything that is broken in our fallen, sinful world. When Jesus comes back, he is going to make everything right. No more pain, no more heartache, no more sorrow, no more frustration. Our hope is not in the stock market. Our hope is not in modern medicine. Our hope is not in the results of the next election or the latest Supreme Court verdict. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, our King, who is coming back certainly to make all things new. Because of Jesus, we're free to hope. 
But that's not all. Through Jesus, we're free to believe. We're free to trust the promises of God. Jesus said, long before he was crucified, I am going to die on the cross. And then he said, after I die on the cross, I am going to rise again. He was crucified, he did rise again. He said, I am going to ascend to heaven, and that's exactly what happened. He ascended into heaven. Jesus also said, I'm coming back someday, and he will. We can trust the proven track record of Jesus. We can have faith in the promises of God. Because we're saved by grace through faith, we're free to believe that God loves us right now exactly the way that we are. We don't have to become someone else, someone better, for God to love us. He loves us as we are. We are fully accepted because of what Jesus has done for us. He is not waiting for us to clean up our lives. He's waiting for us to say, Thank you, Jesus. I believe. That's it. That's all we have to do. Jesus sets us free to believe. He also sets us free to love. Having been loved by Jesus, we are free to love our neighbors. Having been served by Jesus, we are free to serve our neighbors. We're free to be generous. We're free to be hospitable. We're free to care about the least and, and the lost in our society and in our church. Verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As Christians, that's how we express our freedom. We don't live for ourselves. We live for Him. Faith, hope, and love. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That is the heart of Galatians. That is the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of Jesus who sets us free. Let's go to him in prayer. O oh Lord our God, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ. We thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. I pray, Lord God, that if anyone has gathered this morning feeling the chains of sin and guilt and shame which bind us, that you would, by the power of your Spirit, remove them, take them away. I pray for faith for all who are gathered here, for all who are watching the service online. I pray, Lord God, that by grace through faith, you would set us free in Christ. Hear our prayer. We pray in the matchless name of Jesus our Savior and our King. Amen.